The great Tony Williams once said, playing fast around the drums is one thing, but to play music, to play with people for others to listen to, that's something else. That's a whole other world. This week we lost a giant of a musician, Muscle Shoals session drummer Roger Hawkins. Roger Hawkins played on countless classic soul and R&B recordings, including Aretha's Respect and Chain of Fools, Clarence Carter's Slip Away, and the staple singer's Respect Yourself. His vibe was quiet and unassuming, but his drumming style was incredibly intense. Later on in his career, he would branch out to the world of rock and roll and teamed up with Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, playing on Main Street and old-time rock and roll. Roger Hawkins left his mark on so many great recordings, but perhaps my favorite of his is the heart-rending soul ballad, Starting All Over Again, by Mel and Tim. Starting all over again is gonna be rough. Starting All Over Again is a rare kind of breakup song because it's not really a breakup song. It's a reunion song. And drummer Roger Hawkins takes you by the hand, leading you slowly but steadily down a new uncertain road. This episode is dedicated to the folks like Roger Hawkins who sat in the background of musical landmarks but got just close enough for us to hear their heartbeat. My name is Micah McKee. I'm a songwriter, and this is American 100. of the universe into the vast stretches of the universe. This is American 100. Welcome to American 100, the show where we discuss the vast and not-so-random beauty of pop music. This is my trusted robot companion, Rando. Hi. And at the end of every episode, Rando randomly selects two spots and a year from the Billboard Year End Hot 100 chart for us to discuss for the following episode. And at the end of the last episode, Rando selected the year 1981 and the numbers 35 and 33, which correlate with Woman in Love by Barbara Streisand and There's No Getting Over Me by Ronnie Millsap. So without further ado, let's take a trip back to the year 1981. I know your eyes in the morning sun I feel you touch me in the pouring rain And the moment that you wander far from me I want to feel you in my arms again And you come to me on a summer breeze Keep me warm in your love Then you softly leave And it's me you need to show how deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn. Cause we're living in a world of fools. Breaking us down. When they all should let us be. 
We belong to you and me. Yeah. I just love that The brothers Barry, Robin, and Maurice Gibb, better known as the Bee Gees, were simultaneously some of the most talented performers and songwriters of the 20th century. They have sold somewhere around 220 million records around the world, and the only artists that were more successful on the Billboard charts are the Supremes and the Beatles. They were also incredibly unselfish, writing countless works for other artists and having the wisdom to realize that some of their best work would be best reinterpreted by other people. The Bee Gees were masters of connection, and they joined forces with the industry's most formidable performers to bring many of their most sublime compositions to life. As far as duets go, Islands in the Stream is second only to Ain't No Mountain High Enough in brilliance. In fact, the song was initially written for Marvin Gaye and was modified to fit the style of Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, proof positive of the song's incredible versatility. The Bee Gees' songwriting style is a curious one. While they often have a flair for the dramatic, their songwriting is deeply human and down to earth. They use their sophisticated melodic prowess to really relate to the listener. These songs are by no means simple, but they are completely unpretentious and instantly lovable. This is Heartbreaker by the great Dionne Warwick, written by Maurice Gibb. Warwick, who we've talked about in previous episodes, is no stranger to reinterpreting very sophisticated compositions. And here she absolutely leans into this song and gives it the soulful resonance that the brothers Gibb were looking for. Maurice said he cried his eyes out when he wrote this piece. And the Bee Gees loved this song so much that they ended up singing backup on this Dionne Warwick tune. Heartbreaker was released in the year 1982, and much to Dionne Warwick's pleasant surprise, 
It was her biggest hit of the decade. The Brothers Gibb had a knack for misty-eyed arrangements and cascading melodies, almost classical in nature. So it's probably a bit surprising that they didn't know how to read music. In fact, they said that their lack of classical training left them unchained and may have even given them wings. The Bee Gees were the poster children for putting the song first. This gives their catalog so much depth and makes listening to their work so rewarding. They frequently reinvigorated the careers and the appeal of other artists by lending out their genius. Because besides being heartfelt, unselfish, melodic, and intelligent, the Bee Gees were also incredibly cool. By the early 1980s, no one considered Barbara Streisand to be especially cool. She had been a household name for two decades, but that was largely in the context of adult contemporary music listeners and lovers of Broadway. This song, Promises, is from Barbara Streisand's 1980 album, Guilty. Barry Gibb wrote it, and you can hear the Bee Gees' mark of dark melodic swagger all over this recording. Streisand's gentility works perfectly for this kind of track, and even though her performance is light as a cloud, it's Barry Gibb that brings the rain. Several of the songs from Barbara Streisand's Guilty would chart in 1980 and 1981. Initially, Barry Gibb was brought in to write just one or two songs for this album, but after realizing this record's potential for greatness, he ended up writing the whole damn thing. Starting at number 35 on the Billboard year-end Hot 100 of 1981, Woman in Love comes in hot with an intro reminiscent of the Bee Gees classic, Nights on Broadway. Here, Barbara Streisand has never sounded so intense and palpable. This was a complete left turn for her creatively, and with Barry Gibb steering the ship, new sonic vistas were on the horizon. It was recorded at Middle Ear Studio in Miami by Albie Galutin, Carl Richardson, and Barry Gibb himself. The same folks that gave us Islands in the Stream, Nights on Broadway, and Saturday Night Fever. Get you into my world and hold you within. It's a ride I 
chorus is insanely bombastic, but totally appropriate for Barbra Streisand's theatrical style. This is the remarkable genius of Gibbs' production style, his ability to read the room and give the song just what it needs. The acoustic guitar gives the song a human touch, while the synthesizers envelop us, folding us into another dimension. Something that I have to point out, Britney Spears' classic Oops, I Did It Again was written and produced by Swedish music encyclopedia Max Martin. And listening to this chorus, there is simply no way that he was not aware of this stellar recording. After all, in this business, hits beget hits. The Bee Gees' storied career are just chock full of amazing stories, and Barbara Streisand's Woman in Love is part of that epic. This is not the song that folks most associate with Barbara Streisand, and it isn't one of her favorite songs. Nonetheless, it was absolutely loved internationally, and it is easily one of the most successful singles of her career. The early 1980s were torn apart by the Cold War, and in a world divided, the Brothers Gibb yet again provided meaningful connection. Coming up, the anatomy of a breakup song. You're listening to American 100. Can you tell me your name uh, and what it is that you do for your work? Uh, my name is Brad Spiegel, and I'm a resilience planner for the Louisiana Watershed Initiative. On the first episode of River Runs Backwards, we covered the concept of watersheds with our expert, Bradley Spiegel. He took us on a tour of his neighborhood where the city is implementing a project using the concept of something called green infrastructure to mitigate flooding. I'd love to show you. All right, let's go. <laughs> However, we were not able to take a deep dive into the material that day. But luckily for y'all, we recorded the whole thing. Is this cool? It is cool. <laughs> now, we offer Brad's entire interview as a little bit of land yap for our Patreon subscribers. That this house is much higher than what we're standing on in the street. Uh-oh. Gunshot or firework? Firework. Firework. Yeah, firework. <laughs> the good and the bad. Just go to patreon.com slash cicada radio. Even as little as a dollar a month means the world to us. Plus, you'll get swag. And don't forget to subscribe to River Runs Backwards wherever you get your podcasts. The breakup song is integral to Western pop music. And in Western pop music, there are three types of breakup songs. The first is Desolation. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. I consider yesterday to be the most perfect breakup composition. 
Its opening verses immediately set the tone, and so well that we don't need to be told what's going on here. Our speaker has lost their love and cannot conceive of a way to go on. Yesterday has resonated so much with musicians and performers that it remains the most covered song by the most covered band of all time. And as a testament to its elegance and perfection, nearly all of these covers are equally as lonesome and powerful. Breakup songs like Yesterday work because sadness is the natural emotion that we feel when we lose someone we love. And Western pop music is strangely good at encapsulating sadness. The three and a half minute format gives us just the right amount of intensity and inconsolability that we need to empathize with our songwriter before backing it off and letting us either explore other musical worlds or allowing us to retreat into ourselves. After the desolation, the second type of breakup song is the angry one, the indignation. This type centers around the songwriter's resentment, disappointment, and anger towards their lover. Through the pain and anguish of lost love, the speaker digs their heels deeply into the past, and in doing so is able to search their feelings and reach out with their rage. Through their indignation, the songwriter is able to assert their self-worth and value to not only themselves, but to the listener. They want to be understood and for the listener to hear things from their point of view and to see just what a scumbag their ex was. Because indignation can often be righteous, unlike desolation breakup songs, these songs can be uplifting. The indignation breakup song became increasingly popular in the 90s and early 2000s and reached its peak with Alanis Morissette's You Oughta Know. There were earlier instances of the Indignation breakup song, like Bob Dylan's Idiot Wind or Fleetwood Mac's Go Your Own Way, but it was in the late 20th century and the early 21st that the angry breakup song truly had its heyday. Finally, the third type, the hindsight song. 
The hindsight breakup song is spoken from the point of view of someone who has a clearer vision of the relationship than they did before and a deeper understanding of what went right and what went wrong. Sometimes hindsight can lead you to long for the past. Sometimes hindsight leaves you helpless and you long to hold your love once more. When Prince wrote this song, he did not know the depth and transcendence that Sinead O'Connor, the young prodigy from Ireland, would bring to it when she co-produced it with the brilliant and prolific Nellie Hooper. This type of breakup song lends itself to lots of intricate emotions. Peering into the past and then moving up and over a relationship is complicated and confusing. It forces you to examine the good times and the bad. Pop music loves the hindsight type of breakup song because one can explore so many facets of the human heart in a very condensed format. These songs can be unusually deep and satisfying because hopefully the writer and the listener are wiser having taken this journey. Now, when we combine desolation, indignation, and hindsight, we sometimes get this weird hybrid style of breakup song, The Told You So. The Told You So or The You're Gonna Be Sorry is not my favorite type of song, but it appears often in late 70s and early 80s country pop entries. And it is in 1981 that Ronnie Millsap's Told You So anthem would make its way to the number 33 spot on the Billboard Year End Hot 100. Ronnie Millsap picked up this tune from the brilliant Nashville writer Walt Aldridge and transformed it into a modern country groove that propelled it to instant popularity. Interestingly, the hindsight, indignation, and desolation are all being felt by the subject of the song, not the speaker. This gimmick is pretty typical of Nashville country tunes and Ronnie Millsap made a career out of delivering these types of turns. This track was Millsap's biggest crossover hit, due largely in part to its production values. The compression on the drums, and especially the sax solo, spill the song over into the territory of adult contemporary. Some music critics 
even call it urban country. There may be a hint of indignation in the speaker's voice as he arrogantly assumes that his ex-lover will be inconsolable and unable to move on from him. Nevertheless, this sentiment seems popular with radio listeners, and there's no getting over me hit number two on the Billboard Adult Contemporary charts. Truthfully, there isn't much to this song, and I suppose that's for the best. Breakups are often complicated and painful. Sometimes it's good to keep it simple. Coming up, we talk to my friend James Rose. You're listening to American 100. Hey folks, thanks for listening to American 100. I'm Micah McKee and I wrote the original music for this show and produced it along with Asher Griffith. And if you like content like this, then uh, think about dropping something in our jar. Head over to patreon.com slash cicada radio. Even a pledge of as little as a dollar a month means the world to us. We do this show because we love music and we love radio. So head to patreon.com slash cicada radio and uh, help us out if you can. Thanks. No Dream Deferred is excited to announce its Summer Dream Studio, a black-led, affordable, affirming virtual learning campus for all, with classes for everyone from youth to adult and flexible payment options. These summer courses promise to enrich and inspire our entire community. For more information, visit our Facebook page or our Instagram at NDDNOLA. I cherish my friendship with James Rose. He is an extremely talented singer-songwriter whose style is every bit as soft-spoken as it is hard-hitting. We sat down to talk about his favorite breakup songs. Here's some of our conversation. Well, as we know, I guess, you know, um, a lot of these musicians and songwriters that are, that are writing like, you're gonna miss me when I'm gone, kind of like they're already full of themselves to begin with so it's just like that's just kind of what comes out it's like oh you're lost babe i tend to write in like a subconscious uh, fashion of pinning emotions to certain kind of uh, concepts or imagery um, that might kind of be a little on the surreal side and not necessarily make sense at first what the intention is for the listener is to take that and it kind of goes through the system, you know, and comes out like a different, like a recipe that's kind of been scribbled down in a rush or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's basically just realizing the, the possibility of an optimistic future without this love that you've completely immersed yourself within for however long, you know. I asked you to come up with three songs that you um, that really resonate with you as breakup songs, and I mm-hmm. want to start with um, the Beatles song. Your day breaks, your mind aches. You find that all that 
hands down the most brutal song um, that I, you know, one of the, one of the most brutal songs uh, that, that I know of. It's just uh, mind-boggling, like the the sincerity of emptiness of a love that once was um, that grew into this beautiful thing but it was just completely non-existent to begin with um, and it's like it never even mattered and what McCartney was doing you know working with the, the French horn solo I think like uh, Alan Civil Instantly, yeah, it's, instantly, um, like, infectious. Like, I, I hear it in my head every time I think about that song. It's, it's something else. It's, it really is. I, and, I mean, it, it, I was kind of toying around with the idea of, like, oh, should I include a Beatles song? Because, you know, it's, there's, just, there's just so many songs. But, I mean, I'm just, they are the biggest influence to me personally. It was really uh, challenging to pick three. One of them, I guess, would have to be, you know, Without You um, from Harry Nielsen. Oh, Nielsen's great. He's <laughs> such a character, you know, such an uh, individual. He's, he's definitely a personal hero, minus the crazy drinking, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Uh, I mean, but, you know, I kind of encapsulate who he is. You know, and I am, you know, just, love that Beatles influence and Nielsen had it down to you know to a T like he was the American Beatle and you know another reason I picked this song too is it's kind of like part of a trilogy of uh, um, Nielsen songs with without you in it you know? so there's like without you and then living without you which is a Randy Newman composition it's so hard it's so hard it's so hard third one is uh, without her um, with uh, which is a, a cute little tune. It's just no good anymore when you walk to the door of an empty room and they go inside and set a table for one. It's no fun when you spend a day without her. Little trifecta of without. My third song that I picked was definitely a Stevie Wonder song I was racking my brain because he just has so many good ones. Uh, it, it was a, uh, a 1969 uh, number called uh, Yester Me, Yesterday, Yesterday.
and um, I just, you know, I love the arrangement, and it was not really, it wasn't put out, and then it, it kind of got, you know, brought back around, and uh, was put out because of like, some vocal issues that he was having at the time, of like recording something, so they like, you know, grabs a few gems out of the vaults, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, uh, and this was one of them. Just one of those uh, few artists that are really able to kind of bring you up in the clouds with them and just kind of be like, yo, you know, this, what's up? <laughs> um, and I just, yeah, I just, I love Stevie, you know? All right, Rando, it's that time again. It's time to choose the year and the two spots on the Billboard year-end Hot 100 list to talk about on the next episode. Commencing randomization. The year 1966 and the numbers 64 and 25. Which correlate with Somewhere My Love by Ray Conniff Singers and Red Rubber Ball by The Circle. American 100 is produced by me, Micah McKee, along with Asher Griffith, and is presented, as always, by Cicada Radio. And today we're going to leave you with yet another classic that Roger Hawkins played drums on. This is Loves Me Like a Rock by Paul Simon. From all of us at American 100, thanks for listening, and always keep a song in your heart. When I was a little boy, I was just a boy. the devil called my name. This is Cicada Radio. Sing, love, die.